This is the Shape America podcast, hosted by Colin Brooks and Matt Pomeroy, making 50 million strong by 2029. Welcome to the Shape America podcast. I'm your host, Matt Pomeroy, and I'm excited to be back with you today. Uh, This is going to be part two of our health and physical educator coordinator podcast. And again, health and physical educator coordinators are on this podcast, but it's a show for everyone. Just to give you some thoughts and ideas of some great things that you can do, um, you know, within your health and physical education programs. So... Uh, without further ado, thank you for tuning in. Um, we appreciate you guys listening with us wherever you are, wherever you're at, whatever time of the day it is, and whatever you're doing. Uh, I'm just glad you can be here with us and uh, learning with some really, really great people. Um, so we welcome back David, Eric, Mario, and Sam to the show. Um, again, this is part two of the Coordinator Chat Podcast. And in case you missed part one, we've previously discussed... You know, like, what's a day in the life of a health and physical education coordinator? What are great things going on in your schools that you really see on a daily basis? Um, Just flat out best teaching pedagogy. And again, what are some big events happening within your districts? You know, what are they and how are they making them happen? So we've already previously discussed that. Um, We're going to jump right in and I'm going to send it back. We're going to start talking about Uh, professional development and what are the things that are working really well for them um let's let's start talking about pd you know professional development uh what are you guys doing for your health physical educators uh what's working really well um what are they enjoying um you know just those types of things because i know that there's a lot of offerings out there so what are you doing to keep uh people learning i will start if you want me to on staff development i see it two ways of course the purpose of staff development but over the years I noticed that sometimes because if you were to see the list of people I brought down way down here it's an all-star list of presenters throughout the nation I mean award-winning presenters and then I would ask my staff like uh, what did you get out of it all the best ever and then I would go and observe see or ask what you know are you implementing and lots of times they're not you know and that's the bad thing about staff development that I think it was a problem. So now even at this last staff development where we went to get the awards and we came back, I'll send them a question and say, okay, what is uh, your take home? By when do I expect to, to see you implementing? So to me, that's just as important as the staff development. Okay, that's one thing that I do. And of course, most of the staff development, when you have a school district that's doing well, people want to come. So I think in my last 10 years, of all the staff development, and we have a bunch, like at the beginning of the year, we'll have three to four days of staff development. Most of them have been free of charge in one way or the other through collaborating with vendors that we've been good to. Of course, it helped when you got a pet grant that, <laughs> that you know, you buy them a lot of equipment, they're going to come back for free, and then I'm not going to let them get away with it if they don't keep coming because if they want us to continue to buy equipment, right? And I, I assume you're school in Florida. I'm sure you spend a lot of money. But that's one thing we do, and, and that's just one thing I'm big on that uh, 
you, nobody's going to bring staff development just to bring staff development. We're all going to have a goal and a purpose behind the staff development. But when nothing happens, and, and that's just a big, a big uh, pet peeve of mine that I feel and I've seen it in the past that if we don't work hard at it, you know, it's not going to happen. And I go back to this because I, I do that myself. Anywhere I go, I go with a purpose. I enjoy being out. And the last time I was in North Carolina, over there close to where you were at, Matt, I saw this great keynote speak. Uh, it was a, it was seven, seven, right, Matt? How many of you guys are seven? Seven. Yeah. Yep. And they all yep. did this this one word, one community. And I and I ask all of the rest of you guys here on this panel to go look at that. And anybody listening to us because it was quite a speech and I was inspired by that and then so I brought it into my district and it's become one of my best things I've ever done in my district and I call it one word or one department one word to where I got all my staff members to give me one word and it's in a puzzle and it probably take another another <laughs> the sessions just to cover that but that's an example I, I can it's, see it I can yeah, see I put it, it in the back because I'm real proud of that's, that's just about 40 of my 100 staff members but that's what i'm big on it's really cool and you know and, and in north carolina i also saw this adopt a gym which is an awesome idea and i just can't do that right now for adopt a gym but i expanded that same philosophy and culture in how how adopt a gym it runs but i had to tie it into our partners in excellence program which i call it now the partners in excellence physical education program where i go out and i get at least two dollar donations per student membership and I've only been at it like three weeks, and I already have like six schools covered at the elementary. I'm, I got close to about $5,000 there for schools. It's not a lot of money, but something to help. But what I did also is I matched it. The principal, I won't give the principals the money unless they don't match the money. So now it's really 10000 And then with a 20% discount we get, it, you get a, a lot out of it. But for staff development, it's, uh, it's uh, I mean... That's my biggest pet peeve that I see a lot of staff development that's awesome. Tayford is a great organization that provides a lot of staff development. Everybody likes, and everybody's into the games. You know, everybody's into the games, and not a lot of people are into, are they, you know, what are the purpose of the games, okay? And then at the end, the assessments. And that's one thing that I try to mix it up. I have a lot of games also, but I also do a lot of pedagogy stuff and philosophies and and stuff like that. So that's that's what I try to do with my staff development. I guess I'll go. So we're very fortunate that I have six professional development days built in per year uh, with my teachers. Uh, starts in August and then it goes pretty much every other month for the remainder of the year. Unfortunately, this year, because of the, the storm we just went through, um, the school district has removed three of those days and have where it's going to be, it was supposed to be teachers only. Now the kids are coming back to school those days. So the teachers are going to... Um, miss out. So I have to come up with an alternate uh, professional development plan. So we're going to start doing some evenings and Saturdays this year um, to cover some of the professional development. Because what we do here in Palm Beach County is is whenever we do professional development, it has to be tied to uh, recertification points for our teachers. So it has to be focused on what's learned that day and then teach them an opportunity to, to uh, do some uh, district uh, forms, uh, a, a new lesson plan, and show samples of student work that they've learned from professional development, and then they submit it to me, and then we review it, and we can award points based on, uh, on, on how they've actually retained knowledge from the training and how they transpired it to the students in learning. So it's pretty cool. So we have to find ways to continue doing that professional development with our teachers. But typically, uh, I'm a standards-based instruction guy, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, uh, 
I'm down to earth. If it's not tied to our state standards and our course descriptions, you know, it's it's not being modeled for our teachers. Um, it's pretty simple. Um, pretty much over the last 11 years, I've controlled about 85% of our PD for our teachers, and I've kind of let the reins go a little bit and have brought some people in and, and have some of our district best sharing practice go on. But, you know, we model it from the district level. We, we, we model full lessons from, from beginning of when students walk in to the end when students leave, what good teaching should look like. That's standards-based. It's aligned to our teacher evaluation system of Marzano. So teachers are really diving into domains two, three, and four and, and getting into uh, what they should be teaching. So if any, t- any administrator walks by, there's content going on. Obviously, it's always going to be fun. Um, but we move away from just the fun games where kids don't really they don't understand, hey, that was fun today, but they don't know what they were learning or, or what was most important about those lessons. So we do, we do have learning targets as well. We do have rubrics up to check for learning throughout our lessons. And we just model standards-based instruction all day long with our teachers, how it looks at the elementary, how it looks at the middle school, how it looks at the high school. And one thing we're really big on is getting our feeder schools to talk to each other, our elementary teachers talking to our middle school teachers, middle school teachers talking to our high school teachers, because if there's not great learning going on at a middle school and the high school teachers are superstars, you know, we want that, that transition of learning to be smoothest from middle school to high school, the way it is many times in elementary to middle school. So we get them working in feeder patterns and, and model lessons together and talk about what's being learned and what's not being learned and how they can connect together. So when the kids go from elementary to middle school, it's, it's seamless and they're learning very similar benchmarks and standards in physical education and health. And wellness, and same thing with high school level. So it's exciting. I mean, we do a lot of different things. We we have we have to do our concussion trainings and heat exhaustion and heat stroke because we're down in South Florida. Those are standard standard uh, parts of our, our training. We have to do a risk management piece on our trainings. We talk about the uh, the opportunities that arise with injuries in physical education. Um, and injuries happen. All of our teachers know that. But when it's negligence or non teaching going on, when it's free play. Okay, that's when uh, things happen. So we definitely have our risk management department always at our professional development trainings. And then, you know, we, we always uh, we, we do a lot of small group instruction. We break it down into our smallest parts and we talk about it and discuss it. And then we do technology and assessment. But we keep it pretty simple here, you know, and, and it's kind of a routine in our trainings here in Palm Beach County. Good stuff. All right, I, I guess I'll pick it up from here. Um, you know, these, these guys just uh, did an awesome job describing some quality PD there. Um, and and I'm, I'm in the camp of Mario as well in terms of, you know, we've been very fortunate to bring in some uh, outstanding professional development opportunities into our district in the past. Um, but I'd say social media uh, PD has really been a game changer for me. Um, a couple of years ago, I became a, became a fan of uh, virtual professional development. And uh, after attending several conferences locally, regionally, nationally, and uh, constantly learning online, um, you know, I was thinking about ways to bring that back to staff. And, um, you know, I collaborated with some people after leaving the, uh, the coordinator sessions at the National PE Institute um, in, in 2015. Um, Kim Ballard ran those. And, um, you know, we, we really opened up a good dialogue and came up with some pretty neat, neat ways for staff to choose professional development sessions uh, from highly regarded keynotes, from conferences, uh, webinars and the like. And then uh, the best part about this is staff had choice and they felt uh, empowered in their own learning. And, um, you know, as opposed to being, quote unquote, told uh, what was going to be best for them. Uh, the, the accountability was there with a Google form uh, with some, some guiding questions to respond to reflections from their sessions. 
and which colleagues may like to hear more about uh, their, their topic and then how those com- concepts would be incorporated. So um, I, I really am a fan of that. I'll continue to promote that. And, uh, and you know, that really could be done across any discipline. So uh, I, I found a lot of value in it. So I would uh, kind of echo that a little bit as well, just in terms of the virtual. I think one of the things that we've really thought about in our practice in our district in the last few years more specifically is just um, how can we personalize the learning that's taking place for our staff? I mean, we talk about personalized learning for our kids. And so uh, just excited again, uh, this past weekend, we hosted uh, our first ever Greater Houston Phys Ed Camp. Uh, and so that's kind of a, a new format for many folks. Um, so if you take the fizz off of that, it's just an ed camp and there is an actual organization out there so that if you're looking to do that, they help provide you with supplies to support that type of learning. But it's kind of uh, the way they term it, the unconference. And so what happened on Saturday, and when I say Greater Houston, we had over 11 districts in attendance. And so it really creates a collaboration across kind of the greater Houston area and it brought everybody to share best practices and so kind of what happened very briefly is participants came on the day of on one sticky note they put things that they wanted to learn about so we gave them four sticky notes for that and on another set of different colored four sticky notes they wrote four things that they would uh, be willing to share or something that they're doing really good in their district and so through that process we actually created the agenda right there and then on the spot and it was interesting too because we asked folks how many of you have participated in an ed camp and i'd say three out of the many folks that were there um, had ever participated in in an ed camp and so we had a lot of directors and coordinators there but your title didn't mean anything when you were at that at that session and some of the feedback that i read from folks because we did a survey after that was they appreciated that they didn't feel um, threatened to ask a question they were actually presenter slash participant And so it just created a great collaborative that took place amongst coordinators, directors. I saw directors and coordinators taking notes from some of these folks that are in the field on a daily basis. So it kind of keeps you fresh on the practices that are out there. We had some stuff on technology, but what was really neat is folks got to determine where they wanted to go because we offered four sessions at one time. And then the staff got to choose where they wanted to go. And so we had, I don't, I, I stray from using the word experts, but we had leaders there to get the conversation going but then it just became this huge discussion uh and then we did a huge demo slam at the end of that and i've learned a lot of this stuff just through the virtual pds that i've participated in but we did a demo slam to sum it all up and so people made a big circle one person came in and shared they had three minutes to give a quick uh executive summary on what they learned and then the next person jumped into the circle and they continued that going um the thing that i would add on the virtual meetings for us uh, I, I too, like David, picked that up from kind of the the buzz that's happening now through, through the Voxer chats, which can get overwhelming for me. But I'm more of like a, someone said, you're not a you're more of a lurker, like you listen to everything that's happening. But we started implementing that. And I, and I would say as as encouragement is to pick a couple tools and really focus in on those. Um, so it's taken us a couple years to get this Voxer chat groom, g- group going. But we have novice plus one teachers and veterans in this chat group and so professionals can ask their questions in our department and if I can't get to them or my counterpart can't get to them right away there's experts right there to provide them with the answers that they need Uh, so that's been really neat and then I'll just close it with um, we are doing a Twitter chat and that's just something that we've started I participated in a few of those over the summer and just saw the huge benefit of that because it's informal people can participate in that professional development in the comfort of their own home 
if they're at a re- you know if they're out they just get an opportunity so we'll be hosting one and again you guys have mentioned how y'all brought in some really great speakers uh mario mentioned the pep grant i'm a little envious of the folks that, who have gotten pep grants but we uh you know uh doing this virtual pete y'all got to <laughs> being being the <laughs> doing the the virtual pd we have uh, mike kuzala who's actually going to join us for kinesthetic learning flexible spacing on october 12th in our district and again it's just reaching out to them virtually uh, i don't have the budget to bring him in i wish we did because he's a phenomenal speaker and what he talks about and then we're just going to start compiling a google drive with resources for our folks to be able to go in and pick and choose what they need um from what they learn at all of our different conferences and, and professional developments that we offer Lots of great stuff. Summing up 21st century professional development right there. Uh, again, great ideas. Matt, we got we to give uh, a, a quick shout out to Fizetagogy uh, and the Fizet Summits that have been put on too. Uh, you know, those are big part of the, the virtual PDs that we put out and uh, really a foundation for them. So congratulations to you and, and the group that put those on. Those are, well, those are really high quality and impressive. So. We're Amen. glad to hear that they're useful and, uh, yeah, I mean, it is. As you say, it's nice to give them options and it's nice to give them choices. And, and those are some ways that they could do it and they can learn what they really want to learn and, and, and things like that. So good stuff. Thanks. It all depends on what district you're in. I won't give them any options because all they want to do is games. And, and to me, I mean, you can invent games as you're going all the time as we did when we right. were back. So I have to be careful with that. I can't just because everybody wants to go to the games. So, yeah, I mean, they, gotta... there's a place for games. But there's also, I mean, you got to get into everything else as it was already discussed by, by all of us. Good deal. Yeah, definitely got to yeah. understand who's working with you. So, um, all right, let's go. Uh, let's talk about advocating just a little bit because I know that's a big part of the things that you guys do. And we're getting close to finishing this thing. But uh, um, so let's talk about, again, just give us some advice. Just, you know, for us. From some of the things that you've been able to do, how do you advocate with either admin or school boards or kind of that connected with parents, just showcasing the good things that are happening in your programs? Mario's ready. Stuff like that. So I tell you one thing, Matt. <laughs> when I came in as a young guy uh, and things were hard to get going because you're battling, especially principals and then parents and other administrators, the best thing I ever did was started to do proclamations. So we have a bunch of proclamations throughout the years. This one's an example of a proclamation that we did for National Physical Education and Sports Week. And that bring that brought a lot of value to that week in May. Okay, so we've done like Let's Move Back to Schools proclamation, the 50 Million Strong proclamation. So that's one thing that I think has helped me a lot and that uh, it's made my my work a lot easier is that once I get the school board to buy into it and they're behind it, then and of course the superintendent then the principals that are sometimes reluctant and i'll tell you what guys i know i'm not the only school district in the nation that has reluctant principals <laughs> that if you allowed them folks they would say goodbye to fine arts and goodbye to physical education okay and that's the truth because i've seen it everywhere so by doing proclamations and going before our board to celebrate a lot of things of what we do it's, uh, it's something we do and it's helped us a lot. So that would be my advice is to make sure you get owner, buy, you know, buy in, get some buy-in from everybody's important stakeholders. And then, of course, you have to bring it to the table. I mean, you have to have quality physical education so that when I take the media over there to go see 
what's going on in, in a classroom, it's not an embarrassing sight for me that they're not, you know, as soon as that kid gets into that gym, they start right away from the first minute they get there to the last minute. So that's, that's my advice. And then a lot of accountability. If you guys go to the McAllenISD.org website and you go under parents, there's a link there that says wellness. And if you go there, you'll see some accountability measures that we have. Because I'm sick and tired of people taking kids out of PE and taking out kids out of fine arts. And then we, we have no, no way of saying anything. So now, for example, and I'll be real quick on this, Matt. Like this week is the end of our six weeks. Okay, so we finished last week. On Wednesday, they have to, all my PE teachers, because the principals, by coincidence, put them in charge of our wellness compliance form. And in there, they have to tell me if they're in compliance with not taking kids out of recess. Are they using food, the teachers using food for punishment or, and stuff like that. So with that, I'm able to report to my school health advisory council that we meet. And that's an advisory council to the school board, okay? And then on November the 13th, I have to go before the board and report on those wellness plan regulation. So you know when you have people that don't want to do it in the school system, okay, they are probably pressured and they'll do it. So that's one of the things that I, I would give everybody advice. And it shouldn't be that way, but unfortunately, that's the path that I have found that has been very helpful. And then at the end of the day, the school board sees all the brilliant things that are going on with my staff and my department and what we're doing for wellness. Who's going to say no to what, what are we about? The total development of the child. And that's what we're about, right? And, and, and who's going to say no that we're here for kids? Yeah, we have teachers that are there for math, science, and social studies, but we're for everything, including academics. You know, we're about good behavior. We're also good about student attendance if they're healthy. And I can go on and on, but I'll turn it over to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I'll pick it up. Um, you know, I, I have a quote that um, has stuck with me since I heard it, I think the first time uh, Dr. Ballard mentioned at one of the one of the conferences. It's um, make friends before you need them. And, uh, you know, I, I think that it's really important. I know Mario mentioned about, um, you know, really advocating and, and bringing things forward. Um, sharing the great learning and, and building of students in all domains as whole children uh, that are already going on in your programs. Um, and depending on what's acceptable in your, in your schools or your districts, uh, create Twitter pages or Facebook groups or, um, you know, blog or weekly updates. Um, you know, I think using pictures is, is important. Uh, you know, people love pictures. They, they, you know, I know it's cliche, but they do say a thousand words. Um, and, you know, being consistent, share early and often. Um, and, you know, visit, visit main offices, get out of, you know, just your teaching spaces, get out of your areas, um, invite people in, invite the administration in. I love when teachers, you know, send an email or give a holler, hey, I'm doing this cool lesson, come check it out, or I'd like some feedback on this or whatnot. And, you know, even if, if I can't make it, I, I encourage them to, to invite again. I think it's really important for, uh, you know, there, there's that intrinsic motivation for them to want to share the great things that are going on within their classes. Um, ask us, ask to speak to the, the school boards, um, build those relationships with all the stakeholders and, you know, and be present, you know, go to, go to all the meetings, uh, you know, make sure that you're finding ways to, um, make content specific connections to, uh, the school and or district initiatives and, and what you could do in terms of your part in giving back, uh, to, to the whole big picture amongst that educational community that you work in. So I, 
Same yeah, level. I'll jump in so I'm not on this one. So, uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in uh, just in terms of considering your timelines of when you approach folks. Um, you know, I think you need to analyze and observe the vehicles you have. Uh, so I know down here, and again, this was a huge learning curve for me through shape. But down here, kind of in the southern area, we have the Shacks, so the School Health Advisory Council. And I realize when I say C-Shack, that makes me unique because nobody else uses that. They call it like their school wellness team. Or in the Midwest, you guys have the C-SPAP, which I learned about at Shape. And so everybody kind of has a different vehicle of how they approach. But I think um, somebody who provides a good framework that we, we do a lot of our focus off of, which came through CDC and um, prior to 2014, ASCD, ASCD, they kind of merged and created the WISC model. So the whole school, whole community, whole child which is really what we've built our framework around in our district, which engages your parents, your families, your community, your staff members, your administrators. Uh, and, and then we have the DSHAC, uh, which is required by law, and at least in Texas, where you're supposed to meet four times out of the year. But that's kind of your direct connection to bring recommendations to the board, as Mario talked about, because, yes, the school boards get to ultimately make the, the decisions. And so one of the things that we've done in addition to that is we've started, like I said, I mentioned it earlier, we started developing and building K-Shacks, which is just the future generation of health ambassadors. And so we've built out these kids' school health advisory councils. And, and like I said, a lot of these great practices are happening in other, other places. I know Wisconsin, they, you guys, I think, have something called SWAG, which is Student, awareness, student Wellness Awareness Group. Student wellness. Yeah, so everybody has kind of those different vehicles that they're driving. And again, I I learned a lot of this at Shape, which really gave me more perspective because we kind of, if you think about it, we we get to our kind of area or section of the world and and, and we do what works for us. But I I would say to look at the vehicles that you have to to drive what it is that you're trying to do. Uh, Because again, a lot of those frameworks, and like I said, the one that I mentioned helps engage the whole school, the whole community, and the whole child to bring that together to to bring that to the school board and bring those recommendations forth. And and, and then, like I said, just echoing what David said, the social media has been amazing in terms of being able to create awareness out there, especially when you start talking about a new generation of parents coming up and how they communicate and how they receive things and understanding your audience, uh, I think is something to also keep in mind, uh, which would be good advice for health and PE teachers to think about when uh, engaging with parents and, and community partners. That's some great stuff going on. Um, for me, advocacy starts with me. I need to lead by example. Uh, I'm out in front of all my teachers, and they see that I'm, uh, they believe in me. They support me because I'm, I'm, I'm rolling my sleeves up, and I'm walking the walk. What does that mean? I'm, uh, I'm on our local PTA council here in Palm Beach County. So I go to every PTA meeting from our, our PTA board. Um, I'm on the Florida PTA board of directors as well. I'm on the Florida Legislative Committee, so I'm in Tallahassee five to six weeks a year uh, lobbying for bills, not just health and wellness, but, you know, bills that, that are for kids, kid bills uh, throughout the state. I serve on the state Action Healthy Kids uh, as an executive committee member on our state team. I serve on the state coordinated health partnership. I've been past president of SHAPE Florida. I'm still on the board. I'm actually coming off the board in two weeks after 10 years. I'm a little upset about that, but rules are rules, right? Got to come off. I serve on our <laughs> local task force, obesity, diabetes, health county, whatever it is in the community. And, you know, and I support my wife and my, my children. They support me because it's, it's what I believe in uh, for all kids. So my teachers see me out there in the community, um, and I do as much as possible. But the biggest support locally is our community partners. 
Um, they're the voice for what goes on in health and wellness and PE in our schools. They're the ones who have the, the ear of the school board members, the ear of the funders, the ear of a superintendent, the ear of our local politicians. It's important to know who your local representatives are, who your local senators are. And, you know, it's important for all your teachers to know that as well uh, in good ways. And then we talk about always ways to advocate at school. We want teachers to do it the right way. So I lead by example and they see that. Um, but I want teachers to do it at this school as well. And I want them to start slowly, start with a fundamental um, great program at the school, as Mario and, and everybody else said, you know, standards-based instruction, teaching what is right and what kids need to know to, to make them healthy, well-rounded, physical literate students. And with that, if they're doing a group program, the principal has, has buy-in, the PTA we buy-in, get on all your faculty meetings, present to your faculty, even if it's two to five minutes on things that you do in health and wellness for your students, present at your PTA or your SAC council meetings at your school in the evening, get involved in community events, but start slow. Eventually, you don't have to boast and go call the newspapers and let them come out and see you. Okay, use social media as you guys as you say very well. Um, and and one good thing is make sure that you follow your school board members, your superintendent, anybody else that's on social media. But we have to do that here in Palm Beach County, and certain things we have to tweet right at them, so they want us to tweet at them, so they see the great things going on. Um, so just be active. I mean, everybody in this panel is active and a good leader, but do it for what's right. Don't do it for yourself. Do it for your students and your colleagues, and to promote health and wellness throughout your county and your district. That's the most important thing I could tell you today. Wow. I'm fired up. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, all right. It, I, I got you all in one quote-unquote room here, and uh, we could probably talk about ESSA for hours, but let's keep it real short, real simple, real sweet. Um just because I know we've been talking for quite some time and some of us are on the East Coast probably ready for bed and things like that. Um, but let's just talk about like a few tips, a few thoughts um, as to what a health and PE teacher um, can kind of do. How can they approach administration to get the conversation going and or keep the conversation going? And what should we be doing right now? I think they need to go to the Shape America website and get educated about ESSA because there's a lot of confusion. And that's a, a big step right there because it, it is it is crazy. Even I have problems understanding it. But the big deal is to make sure who, who in your district is the person that makes that decision, of course, where, where some of that funding is going. Because, like, I just found out, like, it's like we had a a half a million that was coming into us through one of those titles, whatever they call it, funding. And this funding has been turned around, and now we're getting 197000 But it's not for me. It's about spread out to a lot of different people. And at the end of the day, I found out that we're getting about 25000 So at least we're getting something. It's not much. But that's my big deal is uh, I, I constantly harassed. I don't want to say that word, but I constantly called and texted and emailed the person that was going to make that decision and said, please don't forget what we're doing. And I'm always sending her reasons why we need that money in our profession. Good call. So I would say too, a lot of it is is having the reason of why you need those fundings. So kind of as Mario said, um, one of the things we started doing, and this was back uh, 2015 when, when it got reauthorized kind of in December, and I think it was still fresh, um, we started having conversations with our Title I coordinator in our district in terms of what are you doing with these fundings? And I remember asking our Title coordinator, she's like, we haven't heard anything. 
And then it, you know, we got a lot of the advocacy pieces from Shape in terms of advocate for more Title IV funding, as Mara said, kind of the block grants that are available. And I think a lot of it is just beginning to plant that seed, have those conversations, but have the data to show what it is you're trying to implement so that you can provide the why to the people that make the decisions. I know a lot of decisions in our dis district are data driven, which with rightful intent that they should be, because you want to make sure that you're making informed decisions. But I would say um, educating yourself, because there are a lot of great resources. We did something in our district where we brought that back. Again, um, my director and I at the time were fortunate to attend SHAPE and get a lot of the great resources, but we brought those back. And, you know, I think every state, that's something to also look at through SHAPE uh, because they have different breakdowns of how each state is utilizing that. So again, just continue to, to as Mara said, quote unquote, not harass, but, but just kind of reach out to them and let them know, hey, I'm here. Um, and then, ha and like I said, have a proposal. One of the things we're proposing for this upcoming year is we have the CSHAC chair who drives kind of, who's going to be driving the Alliance for Healthier Generation. It's a volunteer position, but we're asking them to do important work. So that the why of what we're doing is we're asking for some of that funding to help compensate uh, some of these folks who are going to be doing important decisions and, and getting results uh, and collecting the data. I guess I'll go. Uh, some some great great points there. Um, you know, it's very hard for teachers on a local level to really understand what the S stands for and how they can be involved. I mean, it really is difficult, and and unfortunately, many teachers don't have advocates at the district level across the United States and America to you know to help them. So, so uh, you know, as Mario said, some of the resources on Shape America are really good. It's easy, friendly language to, to teachers can understand. But unfortunately, a lot of these decisions are being made without teacher input. You know, at each state and local level. Um, you know, and uh, it depends how your state, your district looks at it. I've had those conversations. I've been engaged from day one, you know. But for me, it's it's about tying into the, what the district's uh, goals are. You know, uh, we always say that health and wellness and more PE and, and activity breaks in schools and employee wellness is important. But if you don't speak the district's language, like tied into absentee rates, absenteeism, um, be tied into third grade reading scores as well, help you going to improve from pre K through third grade. Or if you want to talk about college and career readiness or, or graduation rates, I mean, those are the, that's the language that you have to work on. And it's very difficult for teachers to understand that language because it's not in the everyday trenches of a district level. But, uh, you know, that's how we do it. That's how we're doing it, you know, in the state of Florida and, and locally is we're trying to tie it into the, the ultimate goals and strategic plan of each district here and try to fight for some small dollars. We're not going to get the large dollars, but some small dollars each year, especially if the money is recurring. You want to have some plans in place, but but Sam said it on, on uh, you know hit the nail on the head. You have to come in with some plans. You have to come in with some strategies. You can't come in and just say we need money because it has to be carefully laid out. And if you could tie it to the district's goals, it'd be even more powerful. Yeah, I, th I think these guys have uh, pretty much covered it. I, I wish I had more to add to it, but um, you know I. I I do feel that uh, that feeling of confusion. It's not for lack of not trying. Um, you know, I attended, I think, every ESSA session possible at any conference that I went to. Um, talked to a lot of people, and, and huge shout-out to Carly Wright and Shape America for all the information they put out and, um, you know, all the, the information that that is shared. Um, I just always felt, uh, going back to my previous district, that it, it wasn't really a relevant conversation at the time. You know, it was always, oh, we're going we're gonna to look at that, we're going to come back to that. Um, and similar to these guys just shared, you know, it was really more about um, advocacy and spreading awareness in terms of the role 
uh, that we have that aligns with the language in there in terms of that, you know, well-rounded education and educating the whole child. And um, I found that that was important to continue to focus on and uh, implement things across the district that maybe not necessarily only for health and PE, but for, um, you know, how, how we can help promote uh, learning in, in any, any discipline or across uh, any building at any level. Yeah, there's some great documents out there, you know, that already came out in September. Um, they have everyone's state plan on health and wellness, like Title One, Title Two, Title Four, Part A. So you can get on, go online and, and look at those as well. They're free. There you go. <laughs> they've all they've yeah, all got the, them holding the, them. The last thing too, I would say <laughs> is just utilize your platform. You know, we had that this past Saturday. We had the Greater Houston Phys Ed Camp, and we we actually talked about this and shared with teachers because they were asking us. You know, how can we do this? How, and, and a lot of them, again, was the awareness. We were telling them how, like, professional development, as David mentioned, the well-rounded education, schools have the ability. It's the matter of is it a priority for them or are they doing that? And that's why I kind of mentioned earlier just being kind of cautious with your timelines because when you go to ask for funding, most administrators kind of plan their year as out in January and they've already allocated their budget for the next year. So I'd say um, that's something to to keep in mind when you're kind of going in to ask for some of that funding through the other titles um, for health and PE, where, you know, like I said, they now have the ability to use it for professional development. So I'd say uh, anytime you have a platform and you can create that awareness, when we were sharing this with those folks there, they were like, how come no one's told me about this? And so again, it's, it's not for lack of not sharing it. It's just kind of what you don't know, you don't know. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much again for sharing. I think we're going to have to wrap this baby up. <laughs> uh, honestly, just a great conversation. I feel humbled and honored to be a part of it. I'm definitely smarter <laughs> just uh, sitting here listening to you guys. Um, and again, I can't, I can't thank you enough that you would hang out with us for so long on a Monday night after a long day of work and just everything else. Uh, but we just appreciate that you taking your time out of your busy lives to to come on the show and share your voice and, and, you know, to help health and physical educators grow as, as professionals. Um, so thank you again for taking your time out and it's so much appreciated. Mario, you're going to, why don't you take us home? Mario? In lieu in lieu of the big fee, you're going to pay us to do this, right? Oh, of course. I would, uh, I would like to tell you that I need help with a 50 million strong movement. And if anybody out there listening and especially you guys here, David, Eric, and, and Samuel, that uh, we started a new committee that we want to make sure we get this 50 million strong initiative moving a little bit more aggressively. So if you guys have any ideas, Matt, yourself too, please send me some of your ideas because uh, I want to make my job easier as the chair of the committee. And, uh, and it's always like I told you guys, I'm a copycatter. I steal from everyone. And uh, if y'all can help me out, I would really appreciate it. And Matt, you don't have to pay me for this. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll, uh, we'll definitely work on whatever we can do. But lots of people listening. Uh, let's help Mario out. Let's continue to build that 50 million strong by 2029. But you guys rock. Thank you again uh, just for, again, being here and, and sharing your wisdom. So, uh Thanks for I think that's it man. for tonight. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. It was great hanging with yeah, you guys. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. 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 Well, all right. That is it. That's a wrap for part two of the Health and Physical Education Coordinator podcast. Um, again, 
We just thank you again for tuning in. We hope there's a lot of information out there that you could utilize in your classrooms, in your schools, in your districts, in your state, whatever it is. Um, And again, please send comments, questions, feedback, anything that you want uh, to podcast at shapeamerica.org. Again, you can tweet at me, at phyzed underscore Pomeroy. Um, All of our guests are on Twitter and Voxer, so you can always look them up, uh, connect with them, send them a tweet shoot out a Vox, um, you know, check out their districts and send them an email, whatever it is you need to do. But these guys are out there for you and they're happy to help out however they possibly can. And they want you to keep that learning going. Uh, So again, got some cool things going on on the podcast in November. Uh, Sarah Gitcher Hartman was our action pack podcast guest and uh, Colin, Stephanie and myself are going to do another reflection. Um, So just so everyone knows what's going on in our lives and what we're trying and what's working, what's not working and, and things like that. And then December, we're going to be kicking off a jump rope for heart and who's for heart podcast. And just with some great ideas on things you can do to implement and get your program, get a event going within your program and, um, and why it's so important, uh, why it's so important for you, your students, you know, your program, the state shape America, all that other stuff. So it is, it is a really big deal. Um, and there's some pretty cool webinars you should check out. Again, that's on the professional development tab on shapeamerica.org. Uh, two of them happened in November. So check them both out. It's One of them is sitting on both sides of an IEP table. Again, great for those adaptive PE teachers. Um, and also uh, maybe parents uh, of anyone uh, with a student who might be going into adaptive PE or just getting in an IEP or anything like that. Just real cool. And then uh, there was also another one called Creating Professional Development Portfolios to Make Graduates More Marketable. Again, talking with PETE students and how do they get involved in professional activities and uh, how do you make you know, those graduates stand out to be more marketable in the future. And again, there's things that anyone can kind of learn from. Um, but a little more focused on that future professional um, and even uh, professors within those programs. And without further ado, we got to talk Nashville. Uh, I can't wait for Shape Nashville, March 20th through March 24th. And that is the Shape America National Convention and Expo. Convention brings together thousands of health and physical educators to learn and get experience inspired by big ideas, the kind that are helping to put all children on the path to health and physical literacy. It's a commitment that Shape America calls 50 million strong. And this year's opening convention keynote, Stephen Ritz, is a great example of what 50 million strong can really look like in action. An internationally celebrated educator, Ritz has transformed student lives through his Green Bronx machine. It's a school-based model that's helping students thrive by teaching them how to cook, grow, eat, and share the rewards of a green classroom. His personal commitment to healthy students, healthy classrooms, and health community um, has led to amazing results for students through increased attendance, new jobs, and a stronger community. His keynote is the perfect beginning to a professional development experience that is dedicated to helping every educator prepare their students to lead healthy and active lives through effective health and physical education. Again, it's going to be an amazing convention in Nashville. Really can't wait. Hope you can join us. Um, there's so many great tracks and things that you can you know, learn from. So again, start planning your trip talking to your administrators, 
looking at the toolbox on Shape America's website. And they can help you get there. All right. And that toolbox can give you some of those documents that you might need to get approval and, and you know, figure out how you can travel there. Um, amazing, amazing experience. I've been to two. Can't wait for Shape Na- Nashville. That'll be three for me and uh, hope to see you all there. So um, that's it for today's episode. Again, health and physical educator coordinator chat. Uh, amazing, amazing discussion. And thank you everyone for tuning in and listening and learning with us and hope all is well in your school year. So um, without further ado, signing off for the Shape America podcast. It's Matt Pomeroy and happy teaching. Until next time, see ya.